Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. I am Rick Thomas, and you can find me at rickthomas.net. That is my cyber home. If you would like to ask me and my team any question, please go to our forums, and we'd be glad to interact with you there. We take all comers. We don't turn anyone away. We have a context for you to be able to ask anything, and if you do have a question about life and godliness, if you have a question about any of our resources or whatever it is that's on your mind that you believe we can help you with, we would love to do that. We have a community forum for anybody in the world who has access to the Internet. Just go there to our community forum, free forum, and ask your question. If you are a supporting member, let me encourage you, I appeal to you, to go to our private forum and talk directly to us. Talk directly to, there's a forum there, talk directly to Rick and and his team. And thank you for your support, by the way. And please go to our private forums and you can ask your questions there. I want to do something special for you in this podcast. I want to share with you my counseling notes with a counselee on guilt and fear. I want to take this idea of guilt and fear because it's so common for all of us. We all struggle with it, with those two things to varying degrees. I had a counseling session back in the year 2000, and I had a counselor in training who was sitting in on that counseling session, and she took copious notes and wrote them down and then sent a lengthy email to the counselee, and the counselee gave me permission to use these notes however I wanted to use them. Now, what I did is I changed the name, of course. I've, I've scrubbed the historical data or anything that would point to any particular person because that's, that's really not the point. The point is, is the, are the concepts that I'm communicating about guilt and fear and how we all struggle with guilt and fear, how we allow voices, other authorities in our lives, and those authorities control us, and, and it's not God's voice the, the, the only one that we should be submitting ourselves to. And so those are the things that I want you to grapple with in, in this podcast, not the particulars of an individual, and that's why I, I scrubbed it of all that personal data. And I'm so thankful that you can read an actual counseling session that I had with someone because I get that question a lot. Can I sit in on a counseling session? Well, that's harder harder to do than it might seem. And so here I'm going to give you a a, a visual of what a counseling session is. If you want to read these notes, go to our website, and you can do that. The same title as the podcast, Rick's Counseling Notes on Guilt and Fear. I thank my friend for uh, writing these things out and, and making them available for you, and I do hope that it will benefit you. What I want you to listen to in this counseling session is I, I drew out several things that the counselee is struggling with. Guilt is one. There's conviction, of course, that goes with guilt. And then there is fear because of the guilt. And then the way that she tries to compensate uh, for the guilt and fear through her own strength. So then I brought in self-reliance, which you will hear later. She is a self-reliant individual who's trying to control her universe to compensate this guilt and fear that she has in her life. And because you can't do that successfully, your behavior is going to be up and down. It's going to be erratic. And so this is written out, and it's written out pretty much the way it was sent to her, except for the scrubbing that I did. And so it's written out in story form. And so let's give a listen, and I'll add a few comments throughout 
This is what my friend wrote to sent to the counselee, who is not called Mabel, by the way. Mabel, you recap some of what has been happening in your, in your life since our last meeting. After describing some of the events of the last couple of weeks, you asked Rick, what do you think is the weirdest part of, of what I did? And Rick responded, how your behavior seems erratic. He drew a zigzag diagram up and down on a piece of paper so you could see it. And what it, it represented was the good to the bad and back to the good and back to the bad again of your life over the past couple of weeks as you described them to him. That's what these ups and downs reflect, your behavior. And he asked you, why is your behavior so erratic? And you responded that you're often unsure of, of what to think or how to react to people. And so it became evident that, that there's a fear there that is tied to people, to what people think of you. And you're always measuring what people think of you, trying to determine because there is something that you want from them. And so Rick spent some time exploring your responses to people. And he asked you if you struggled more with guilt or fear, and you answered guilt, which was fine. And that's a good answer. It's an accurate answer, though, as you realize later that you struggle with both guilt and fear. But he began the counseling session explaining a biblical view of guilt the Bible does give us an accurate picture of, of how we are to live. And so we have a clear guidelines of what our life should look like before God and others. And when we live within what the Bible teaches, we don't experience guilt. The spirit is not quenched and the spirit is not grieved and our relationship is right with God. All is well with our souls. But if we don't live by the clear teaching of Scripture, then God in his mercy to us gives us conviction. We are declared guilty because of our transgressions, the things that we do wrong that the Bible speaks clearly that we should not do. We transgress. We sin. The Spirit of God convicts us, and this is such a good thing, that the Lord would point out our guilt by convicting us. It's one of God's many kindnesses to us. And so when we do wrong, the Spirit of God convicts us of the wrong doing, and this guides us to repentance. We need to repent. And when we do, God removes all of our guilt. That is the power of the gospel that works in us to accomplish this good end. But this is not all of how you think about guilt and fear and conviction. It's not all legitimate. You bring this other guilt into your life. Your understanding of right and wrong is much different than what the Bible teaches. In fact, you place burdens on yourself that are beyond what the Bible teaches. It is not God who is placing a burden on you or conviction. He does when you legitimately transgress his law, but you have a broader experience of guilt. And it's this habit that gives you a lot of unnecessary uh, unnecessary conviction, unbiblical guilt. Some people call this false guilt. At this point, Rick drew another diagram on a piece of paper, and it had a lot of rocks on it. They looked like rocks, but inside the rocks, he put names on them, and he called them your guilt rocks. 
Some of these stones you believe are from God. So some of these rocks are actually legitimate. But other rocks, he inserted people's names in your life, a friend here and a friend there, one of your children, an extended family member. Rick, you're also struggling with him, fear of man, with him and also me as I was sitting in on the counseling session. And then some of these rocks were people in your church and coworkers, folks at your work. And so you have legitimate rocks given by God to weigh you down to drive you to repentance. But then you have all these other rocks that aren't from the Lord at all. These are things that you have created. And the reason Rick drew them looking like rocks was to show how heavy they are and how they weigh you down. Ultimately, this can cause depression. And when he said that, you acknowledged that sometimes you do struggle with depression because you, you don't have a way of getting out from under the burden of all these guilt rocks that aren't from the Lord. Now, he explained how these rocks have become your authorities. Every one of them has a measure of authority or control. They govern you because you allow this to happen. They are like voices that tell you when you're doing right or wrong. You either validate what those voices are saying or you invalidate what those voices are saying. And of course, if you validate the voice, the authority, you feel guilty and you experience conviction. But again, it's not from the Lord. Now, this is a messy cycle. It's unbiblical. It does not have God in the center of it. It is a self-centered interpretive grid based on a wrong understanding of God's view of things. And so the guilt that you uh, feel, some of it's legitimate, biblical, from the Lord. But about 70% of it is not. It's things that you have conjured up in your own mind that God is not doing to you. And because you subject yourself to the control of these other voices, you live in guilt that is not always legitimate. This overhanging cloud of guilt that look like rocks on the piece of paper that Rick drew, it fosters insecurity in your heart. And so this is where the fear comes in. And this is how he connected guilt to fear. All of this extra unbiblical guilt weighs you down, and now you become afraid, especially because you don't know how to get rid of it. Now, biblically, the way he framed all this fear is fear of man, fear of other people, according to Proverbs 29, 25. You end up with an unbiblical process of producing guilt or false guilt, if you want to say that. And it causes a deep-seated and controlling fear of others. Illegitimate guilt based on a fear of other people. These are two convoluted heart idolatries that are working in your heart that causes this erratic behavior, which you permit other people to determine by their approval or disapproval of you. And so if these authorities, these authoritative voices, if they accept you, your behavior is good. That's why it went up on the piece of paper. I feel good today because people like me. But when someone is disappointed in you, you feel a guilt that is not legitimate. You cave to fear and now you are depressed. You're like a pinball that responds according to who is blaming you or telling you how you should react rather than being controlled by God alone. 
according to a clear understanding of him through the lens of Scripture. You allow others to control you. Rick talked about a bank of voices in your life, and you stand there staring at that bank of voices, and all of them have a certain amount of control over you. What you want to do is to dial in on the only voice that really matters, and all the other voices in your life must be muted. The solution to illegitimate guilt and conviction is to listen to God alone. He is the authority. He has the voice. That's what you want to focus on. He defines what is right and wrong, not other people who may approve or disapprove of you. And as your thinking lines up with his thinking, you'll be able to discern where you are responsible and where you are not accountable. And where you are responsible legitimately according to the Lord's conviction because you've transgressed his law somehow, you can repent. But if that voice is not God's voice and does not line up to God's word, you're not accountable to that. In time, this will not only eliminate your insecurity or fear, but it will significantly reduce your erratic behavior, which is how this discussion began. You were up and down over the past two weeks. And now Rick has pointed out how that erratic behavior is tied to this fear that you have, which is controlled by people's opinion of you, which creates this false guilt. Now, it was at this juncture that he drew a line on a piece of paper. The line had an X on the left side, and on the right side was the word God. So on the far left is a big X, and on the far right are the letters G-O-D. And connecting those two objects was a dotted line between the X and the word God. The X on the page is you. God on the far right is your goal. That's where you want to go. That's the person you're heading toward with the hope of benefiting more from his relationship. But the problem are all of those dotted lines are all the dots on that line between you, the X, and and God. Those dots, each one of them, represent hindrances in your life, stumbling blocks that keep you from getting to God and enjoying a fuller relationship with him. He wants you to experience him. Here are a few of the hindrances that Rick mentioned. We've already talked about some of them. I'll talk about more in a moment. But guilt obviously stands between you and God. I'm talking about illegitimate guilt that you contrive because of how you interact with other people. Well, fear is another one of those. Guilt and fear are kissing Cousins, when you feel guilty, you experience fear. And, of course, if this guilt is not legitimate, the fear shouldn't be there. Insecurity is another word for fear. And Rick talked about insecurity because that was the word that you understood better. And so he used the word insecurity as a synonym for fear and also doubt And so we have insecurity, guilt, fear, doubt. Those are some of the the dots on the line. Those are some of the sins that stand between you and the Lord. And you need to repent of these things so that you can experience restoration from God. Now, you will remember how Rick unpacked fear of man or what you understood to be insecurity. And so how he began is he defined insecurity for you so that you would have a working definition He said insecurity is placing your faith and 
in something or some someone that you can lose. A simple definition. Insecurity is placing your faith, your your trust in something or someone that you can lose. The reason you're insecure is because there's a possibility that you can lose it. I don't want to lose that. And the thought of losing that can make you insecure. You have placed your trust in the approval of others. And that is why you are so insecure, because you're hyper aware of how you can lose a friend's acceptance. And it's this fear that, that makes you feel like you have lost control, and that fear controls you. This struggle is part of the reason you measure or overinterpret what they say to you or what you think they say to you. This kind of thinking is born out of your fear or your insecurity. And because you're insecure that way, it inevitably leads them to have control over you. Thus, they do control you like a marionette on a string. And you allow that to happen because they have something you want. You want their approval. If your friends are accepting you, you feel good. If they reject you, according to your interpretive system, you are erratic. And that's what Rick was seeing at the beginning as you were describing your past two weeks. One of the things Rick noted was how your insecurity is not consistent. Now, this is interesting because every friend that you have and every situation that you are in, you do not feel a sense of insecurity. These are typically contexts where you excel, where you are comfortable, where you can rely on your own strength or your personal gifting. Now, he used an illustration of that. He said there is a setting in your life where you shine, where you are secure, and you don't typically struggle with insecurity or fear or guilt, and that's in the workplace, your job. And the reason for that, you remember, he said you're working within your strengths, your self-reliance, your ability to be omnicompetent guarantees that you'll experience acceptance. You're working within your strengths, not God. You figured out how to garner acceptance from people at work, and so you outshine them all. But you are insecure with people that are out of your class or who you think have it more together or you believe they are more spiritual or more of whatever you wish you had and believe them to have. Because your confidence is in yourself, it is a sin, which is a self-centered worldview that is opposed to a God-centered way of thinking and living. This self-centered faith in yourself is the specific thing you need to repent of to be free from the opinions of others. This is a legitimate sin that should experience legitimate guilt and conviction, which should motivate you to repent. You're self-reliant. But again, the reason you're motivated to be self-reliant is because you want to control people's favorable opinion of you. As long as your confidence is in yourself, you're going to be insecure because ultimately you can't control all things. You can't maintain self-reliant control over all things. Self-reliance is a mirage as well as illogical and unbiblical. God's desire for you is to rely on him alone. 
And so he dis, uh, Rick defined insecurity as placing your faith in something or someone you can lose. And as long as your faith is in something you can lose, you'll always be nervous about losing that thing. But then he turned around and defined security. He said security is placing your faith in something you can never lose. And if you can never lose it, you will always be secure. Now, as you can see, there is only one little difference, a life-altering difference in those two definitions. It all rests on what you can or cannot lose. Now, you know you can quickly lose people's approval, which makes you insecure. And so the question you want to answer is, what is something that I cannot lose? Well, that's easy to answer because there's only two things in the entire world that you can never lose. The first thing is the written logos, or God's word, the Bible. The second thing that you can never lose, and we're talking about Christians here, is the living logos, God himself. The written word of God and the living word of God are eternal. Anything else you can lose, your health, your wealth, your friends, your family, you can lose everything but the Bible and God himself. And of course, anything else is not worthy of your trust. And so you want to put your trust in those two things that you can never lose. Whenever you go into new situations, you'll always be nervous about whether you might, you might not get it right or you might not have the acceptance of others. That should not be a problem if the answer to the dilemma is to put your confidence, your security, your faith in the only one who cannot, will not reject you. If you will fully trust God, it doesn't matter if you mess up, don't get it right, or don't meet perceived expectations. Your faith is not, what, is not in what man can do to you but in what God has done for you by his gospel. It was at this point that Rick took you to Matthew 14, 29 through 33. You remember the story of Jesus calling Peter out on the boat to walk on water? You remember how Jesus' command to Peter was one simple monosyllabic word? He said, come. That was it. No explanation, no more information, just Come. And you noted, which was kind of expected, that if you were Peter, you would find a lot of security in your boat. God's not helping you in this situation. Come, I need more information, Lord. Now, of course, finding more security in your boat, that's accurate for all of us. Basically, what you said is you described what self-reliance looks like for a fear-motivated controller. If you are a fear-motivated controller, as you are, you will gravitate to self-reliance every time. But God is calling you to have faith in him, even if it means walking on water to him. The real issue of your heart is not about the acceptance or the rejection of other people. Really, it's not about that. That's like a secondary issue. The real issue is about faith 
a faith that is in God alone. The Lord wants you to trust him, and he brings these challenges to you to motivate you to trust him. Jesus was calling Peter out on the out on the water that night because he wanted to teach Peter and the other disciples about trusting God alone. And you must learn this lesson. By the way, you know that Peter did sink. And even when you begin to sink in the water, and you will do this too because of your temptation to rely on your own strength, You'll find these dicey moments as opportunities to cry out to him just as Peter did. And if you do cry out to God in your moment of weakness, God will immediately come to your aid because he gives grace to the humble. You remember how Peter said it in Matthew 14? Peter cried out, Lord, save me. Listen to this. The very next two words, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him. It was at this point that Rick mentioned that this story was not primarily about Peter or Peter's faith. It was about God and his faithfulness to his children. The reason for this is because it was God's reputation that was on the line. You remember Psalm 23.3, He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. God takes care of us to make his name great. And when he does help us, we magnify his name, which is what Peter and his friends did when they got back on the boat. They said, truly, this is the Son of God. They worshiped him. Our responsibility is to trust him as we cooperate with him, and then we praise him for what he has done. Mabel, you have been unwilling to trust him like this up to this point in your life. You have been relying mostly on yourself. To believe in yourself is to put yourself in direct opposition to God. He is a jealous God. He will not allow any of his children to set up other objects, concepts, people, or even ourselves as the primary thing that we trust. This problem begs a few questions that you want to ask yourself. As you mentioned, you have already rolled some of these questions over in your mind. And though you may not have asked them with such clarity as we did in the counseling session, your behavior tells us how you have some sort of issue with God because you will not trust him explicitly. Here are a few of the questions that we explored during the counseling session you may remember You will have to distinguish the difference between what you know to be true and how your behaviors contradict what you say you believe. It is one thing to say, I know the answer to this and that, but it is a whole other thing when your functional behavior is different from what you say you believe. It's your behavior that reveals the most accurate condition of your heart. Here are the five questions that Rick asks you. Is God good? Will he save me? Will he take care of me? Can I trust him? Is he trustworthy? Now, your answer to all of these questions should be the same, and they were. You said, yes, God is good. God will save me. God will take care of me. God will trust me. God is trustworthy. God is God, and he is good, faithful, just, and entirely worthy of your trust. These are easy questions to answer because of the gospel. The cross is the centerpiece of his gospel, and if nothing else, it informs and proves God's goodness to us always. As you grow in your understanding of his goodness, 
as understood through the gospel, you will begin to become more secure in the Lord. Now, over the next few sessions, Rick, Rick wants to begin unpacking the gospel as it pertains to your salvation, but also to your sanctification, especially to your sanctification. The more you grow in your understanding of who God is as viewed through the lens of the cross, the more you will find rest in him. Believe it, Mabel. You can entirely fling yourself upon God. If you begin to do this, you will also start to mature in the only authoritative voice in your life, and you will not be so easily swayed by what others say to or about you. We will begin our journey through the gospel the next time we meet. In the meantime, Rick needs for you to continue the momentum of the gains from this session by doing the things he asks. Let me know that you have received this follow-up email, and please share any questions, comments, concerns, or anything else that needs clarification. Take your time. Your goal is not to get through the work that he has given you. Your goal is not just to finish it. You want to be transformed by this material. You want the material to own you, and it will be discerned by your personal transformation. And that is the end of my counseling notes on guilt and fear. I do have several links. I have five articles that I sent to Mabel, and you're welcome to click on her homework assignment and read them. They're in this podcast here. They're in the article here. Go to rickthomas.net, Rick's counseling notes on guilt and fear. If we can answer any question for you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.